It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Trump made history again. <laughs> Being impeached. Now, twice, he actually has now 50% of all the impeachments in American history. Say what you want about the guy, but, you know, he does know how to set a record, apparently. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, No, I'm not. I am not happy with all of this. I'm just not happy. I'm not happy with any of the people involved. I'll tell you, though, I am happy with uh, my patrons because they make the show possible. The show is made possible by patrons like Robbie and Janet. Sarah and Frank, Karen, Manuel, Jeff and Nicole, Chris, Matthew, EZ, Daniel, and Janet. Thank you very much for all of the support. Literally, I could not do the show without you guys. And uh, in fact, when the Mixer board failed last week, it was because of the patrons that I was able to go out and get a replacement board within 24 hours and be back up and running. So that's you guys have helped make that possible. So thank you very much. Also, the show is made possible by our wonderful sponsors, local businesses here in Western North Carolina, but also in the state that want your business and want to talk with you about their products and services. For example, Mattress Man. Mattress Man stores, they've been with me from the very beginning, and uh, they're running a fantastic deal right now. If you want to get uh, an upgrade to your bed and uh, you want one of the adjustable bases, This is the chance, okay? This is the opportunity. The Split King Mattress Blowout. It's the big MLK Day sale. You can pick up a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses. And the Split King Mattress deal is, it's a king-size bed, right? But it's a split mattress. So you can uh, set the adjustments per side independent of the other so you can raise the feet you can raise the head on one side only you can have different uh, firmness settings and such one side up one side down if you cannot agree with your significant other about the sleeping position and the firmness of the mattress you don't have to Stop by Mattress Man stores, save a bunch of money while maybe, you know, saving your relationship. Mattress Man, they've got four locations in the Asheville area, uh, uh, Arden and Hendersonville. Uh, They do ship nationwide, and they have five-star local delivery service. So, and a 120-day comfort guarantee. Can't forget that. So, go to Mattress Man or go to their website, mattressmanstores.com, and experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. So the uh, president has been impeached again. The House made this uh, move yesterday, um, and it was uh, largely along party lines. There were 10 Republican House members who sided with the Democrats who all voted for impeachment, um, and most notably Liz Cheney, uh, the number three House Republican. She was one of the 10. Uh, According to the Associated Press, the trial probably won't begin until around January 20th when Democrats will take majority control of the chamber in the Senate uh, and the president-elect Joe Biden will be inaugurated. So there is a question about the timing here as to whether or not this can actually happen in the Senate. As the House voted to impeach Trump, uh, the president faced, this is according to the AP, faced his unprecedented second impeachment largely alone and silent. For more than four years, he has dominated the national discourse like no one else. Yet when his legacy was set in stone with the House vote, he was left on the sidelines. He kept out of sight in a nearly empty White House as impeachment proceedings played out at the heavily fortified U.S. Capitol. The suspension of his Twitter account deprived Trump of his most potent means to keep Republicans in line. There was a a statement uh, from Dan McLaughlin, who is a writer at National Review that I thought was particularly uh, interesting here. He said that we do not currently have anything resembling evidence that Trump organized or directed the Capitol riot. He bears moral and political responsibility. And McLaughlin says Trump should be convicted and disqualified by the Senate. But you're just playing make believe facts here under an imaginary body of law. So, and he's exactly right on this. What have I said? I said this during the last impeachment, which is that it is a political process. Democrats agreed with me on that, right? It was a political thing. 
the the body of evidence. These are not rules of evidence as uh, you know ascertained by a judge or a jury in a court of law. That does not exist in any of this in any of these proceedings. It's just high crimes and misdemeanors, and there's really no firm definition of that. There's no criminal code written down on that. It's just whatever Congress wants it to be. And Democrats want it to be basically everything. And, you know, Dan McLaughlin here, obviously a supporter of impeachment. But I think it's important to point out here, there isn't any finding of fact here. There hasn't been any investigation. Now, I know people uh, who are you know, supportive of impeachment and they hate Donald Trump will respond to that statement by saying something like, uh, you know, we all saw it happen. Stop gaslighting me. I saw it happen. And, you know, Trump's speech that he put out that one minute video where he was like, you guys are great. You're all special. I love you, but go home. But I totally got, you know, rooked here. The r- election was rigged. It was stolen and go home. And I said at the time, That's a conflicting message, which is par for the course for this guy. I've been saying that for five years, that Donald Trump speaks in these word salads and that everything he says has an expiration date. And that expiration date is the period at the end of the sentence. So this is not new behavior from Trump. So I and I don't know what he's actually trying to convey. It was just like during the debates with Joe or the one debate, I guess, with Joe Biden, where he said, stand up or he said, uh, uh, stand down and stand by. Right. And everybody was like, he's telling the militia to be ready to attack. And there were some people on the right in these militia groups that did, in fact, interpret it that way. I don't know if that's what he meant. I, again, because of the way he speaks, he leaves a lot of stuff unclear. And uh, when he gave that speech, the one minute speech, while the protests were going on, while the storming and rioting was occurring, It was not helpful. So that's what I think McLaughlin is talking about here, where he has an ethical and uh, what was the other? He says uh, uh, and political responsibility, an ethical and political responsibility. And I think that's I think that's accurate, because if you believe that you can move people with your words and you can inspire them to go out and commit acts of violence in your name because they now believe in the cause that you have fomented, then I think that you do have some responsibility there. Is it criminal by the letter of the law? No, it is not. It's not. And people who know incitement law at at a constitutional level, they all agree on this. That by the by the letter of the law, he did not meet the burden and any prosecution would not be able to convict. But again, impeachment is not a criminal justice matter. It's a political matter. And so Democrats really, really hate Donald Trump. And they would very much like to stamp out all opposition going forward. And this is the way to do it. Because this is what the alt-right, the militia folks, the QAnon people, the Proud Boys, and a lot of MAGA supporters who went and and engaged in that violent activity, this is what you've induced. The reaction to your actions are now going to make things way worse, way worse, which of course then will inspire the very next cycle in this constantly escalating cycle of violence. That's my main concern, because I don't think the center can hold when you have this kind of activity being uh, engaged in on both sides. I just don't see it happening here. Here's a, I thought was a good thought experiment for a lot of people who want to kind of dismiss this, minimize this, or think that it's not that big of a deal. Nicholas Grossman, he's a a professor at University of Illinois. He's the senior editor at ARC Digital. Um, And uh, he's the author of a book called Drones and Terrorism. Anyway, he said, how would America react if the Capitol attack had killed 50 instead of five? Right. I I think this is a fair thought experiment because you can't just look at it and say, well, it didn't. So therefore, it's not that big of a deal, because what was the limiting principle at play there? Was there some sort of force of moderation within the ranks of the rioters that was going to uh, that was going to bring this back from that kind of violence? I didn't see it. So instead of five, let's say it killed 50. And then let's say Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi ended up being, you know, executed on live stream and Congress was too shaken to finish the electoral vote certification. Um, And so it never happens. Like we could like that. That could have been what happened. The outcome was quite bad, he says, yet we still narrowly dodged a bullet. And we can thank heroism, right, from 
the Capitol Police. But maybe, well, we can also maybe thank luck at this time. But national security cannot rely on luck. A threat some suspected and many underestimated has revealed itself by attacking the country. He says, react accordingly. Imagine a world where nobody gets into the Capitol because the Capitol Police does its job. And even in that world, we should be reacting the same way. The point being here is that we are so outcome driven, but the outcome isn't really what matters here. Because if hypothetically, let's say Iranian operatives had done this, killed a cop, injured others in a narrowly averted plot to kill the vice president and members of Congress, would we be reacting the same way? Now, it's not the same, obviously. International threats are different from domestic threats, and they require different responses. But that's the level of seriousness here, right? What, or, like, for example, what would be the reaction from our political class if, like, a gunman tried to assassinate the entire Republican leadership in con- Oh, well, yeah, I guess the reaction wouldn't be very forceful at all. Now, if these events and others have convinced you that you need to be better prepared for emergencies, then please take my advice. Go on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus and uh, get yourself prepared. You can do it with first aid kits. He's also got a bunch of Italian military Kevlar helmets that came in. The finest Italian Kevlar, if you will. Solid pieces at a great price. Uh, This stuff usually sells out really, really quickly. He's got ammo cans, which are actually really cool for storage of anything really in your shed in your garage or whatever and if you are among the many people who have become new gun owners you're going to need some accessories and he's got those as well he's got an expanded selection of slings magazine pouches and other accessories Uh, so go to old grouches military surplus it's on main street in downtown clyde uh yes the shop is open monday through saturday and across the street from the anti-aircraft gun if you are looking for landmarks oh also 24 7 at oldgrouch.com oldgrouch.com and remember tell them you heard it here on the show all right let me get to some of this audio i'm only going to give you four speeches these were the four speeches that led off the impeachment uh, it's not even a debate, but uh, in the House of Representatives. So we've got Nancy Pelosi, Jim Jordan, Jerry Nadler, and Kevin McCarthy. And they basically make all of the arguments that then the other hundreds of Congress members then went to went on to make themselves, <laughs> but just with different words. So here is Nancy Pelosi's argument. Madam Speaker, in his annual address to our predecessors in Congress in 1862, President Abraham Lincoln spoke of the duty of the patriot in an hour of decisive crisis for the American people. Fellow citizens, he said, we cannot escape history. We will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or another of us. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down in honor or dishonor to the latest generation. We, even we here, he said, hold the power and bear the responsibility. In the Bible, St. Paul wrote, think on these things. We must think on what Lincoln told us. We, even here, even us here, hold the power and bear the responsibility. We, you and I, hold and trust the power that derives most directly from the people of the United States. And we bear the responsibility to fill that oath that we all swear before God and before one another. The oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, so help us God. We know that we face enemies of the Constitution. We know we experienced the insurrection that violated the sanctity of the people's capital and attempted to overturn the duly recorded will of the American people. And we know that the President of the United States incited this insurrection, this armed rebellion against our common country. He must go. He is a clear and present danger to the nation that we all love. Since the presidential election in November, an election the president lost, he has repeatedly held about the, uh, lied about the outcome, sowed self-serving doubt 
about democracy and unconstitutionally sought to influence state officials to repeal reality. And then came that day of fire we all experienced. The president must be impeached, and I believe the president must be convicted by the Senate, a constitutional remedy that will ensure that the republic will be safe from this man who was so resolutely determined to tear down the things that we hold dear and that hold us together. It gives me no pleasure to say this. It breaks my heart. It should break your heart. It should break all of our hearts. For your presence in this hallowed chamber is testament to your love for our country, for America, and to your faith in the work of our founders to create a more perfect union. Those insurrectionists were not patriots. They were not part of a political base to be catered to and managed. They were domestic terrorists, and justice must prevail. But they did not appear out of a vacuum. They were sent here, sent here by the president with words such as a cry to fight like hell. Words matter. Truth matters. Accountability matters. In his public exhortations to him, the president saw the insurrectionists not as the face, the foes of freedom, as they are, but as a means to a terrible goal, the goal of his personally clinging to power, the goal of thwarting the will of the people, the goal of ending in a fiery and bloody clash nearly two and a half centuries of our democracy. This is not theoretical, and this is not motivated by partisanship. I stand before you today as an officer of the Constitution, a Speaker of the House of Representatives. I stand before you as a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a daughter, a daughter whose father proudly served in this Congress, Thomas D'Alessandro Jr. from Maryland, one of the first Italian-Americans to serve in the Congress. And I stand here before you today as the noblest of things, a citizen of the United States of America. With my voice and my vote, with a plea to all of you, Democrats and Republicans, I ask you to search your souls and answer these questions. Is the president's war on democracy in keeping with the Constitution? Were his words an insurrectionary mob a high crime and misdemeanor? Do we not have the duty to our oath to do all we constitutionally can to protect our nation and our democracy from the appetites and ambitions of a man who has self-evidently demonstrated that he is a vital threat to liberty, to self-government, and to the rule of law? Our country is divided. We all know that. There are lies abroad in the land spread by a desperate president who feels his power slipping away. We know that too, but I know this as well, that we here in this house have a sacred obligation to stand for truth, to stand up for the Constitution, to stand as guardians of the Republic. In a speech he was prepared to give in Dallas on Friday, November 22nd, 1963, President John F. Kennedy was to say, we in this country, in this generation are, by destiny rather than choice, the watchmen on the walls of world freedom. We ask, therefore, that we may be worthy of our power and responsibility, that we may be worthy. President Kennedy was assassinated before he could deliver those words to the nation, but they resonate more even now in our time in this place. Let us be worthy of our power and responsibility that what Lincoln thought was the world's last best hope, the United States of America may long survive. My fellow members, my fellow Americans, we cannot escape history. Let us embrace our duty, fulfill our oath, and honor the trust of our nation. And we, we pray that God will continue to bless America. I thank you, Madam Speaker, and you're back. This is one of the this is one of the more infuriating aspects of all of this. You've now given Democrats and the left 
absolution. That's what you've done. You've given them the ability to make this argument that they are the people who are against political violence. Whereas anybody who has been paying any attention for the last five years knows that the left has been wink, wink, nod, nod to the violence when they are not outright inciting it. And now everybody gets to forget that. They get to pretend that they're actually the party that condemns this. They're the ones who are the keepers of the peace. This is why violence usually doesn't solve your problems. It just leads to more violence, particularly in politics. It's so frustrating. You've given them absolution. Now, um, it's not really an absolution, but it could be a solution of a different kind for you. Growers hemp, full spectrum hemp extract. Uh, It was for me, for example, I mean, it doesn't improve my abs. Uh, I wish it did, but it doesn't. Um, Now, uh, what it did do for me was to allow me to sleep more deeply. I take some drops before I go to bed and I sleep more deeply. Um, Now, if you were looking for that or other things like, say, a better quality of life, a balanced state of mind, a positive mental outlook, immune system resilience, these are the things that people report experiencing when they use growers hemp full spectrum hemp extract. They also have topicals, so it's not just the drops. They've got lozenges as well. They have all sorts of different delivery mechanisms, if you will. And Growers Hemp is based right here in North Carolina. Okay, They're family farmers. They said, you know what, we're going to grow hemp. And then they looked around and they, they were not very comfortable with the companies that they saw parachuting into the state, taking advantage of farmers. And they said, you know what, we're going to do this ourselves and we're going to do it the right way. And so now they control the whole process from seed to shelf. And uh, that means you get a better quality product at a lower price. Go to growershemp.com. Use the promo code PETE for 20% off. And discover what your reason is for using a CBD product. I know people from all walks of life that use CBD products. Retired police officers, homemakers, uh, professionals. You know, people have found reasons to use it. And uh, if you are thinking about it, this is a great opportunity for you. Just take the promo code Pete, put it into the checkout, and you'll get 20% off. And then let me know how it goes. I'm always interested in your feedback. Growers Hemp. And as with all CBD products, here's the official disclaimer from GovCo. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. By the way, you can also pick up Growers Hemp. Uh, it's at the Broad River Hemp Company in Shelby. It's at the Medical Pharmacy in Locust. It's at the Durham Co-op. Uh, but it's always at growershemp.com. North Carolina farmers delivering quality CBD products to you, to your home for your uh, wellness journey. Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. Up next here, we have Republican uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, and he opened up the floor debate for the Republican side. 19 minutes. 19 minutes. Four years ago on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 2017, 19 minutes into President Trump's administration at 12.19 p.m., the Washington Post headline was, Campaign to Impeach President Trump Has Begun. And now with just one week uh, week left, they're still trying. In seven days, there will be a peaceful transfer of power, just like there has been every other time in our country. But Democrats are going to impeach President Trump again. This doesn't unite the country. There's no way this helps the nation deal with the tragic and terrible events of last week that we all condemn. And Republicans have been consistent. We've condemned all the violence all the time. We condemned it last summer. We condemned it last week. We should be focused on bringing the nation together. Instead, Democrats are going to impeach the president for a second time one week, one week before he leaves office. Why? Why? Politics and the fact that they want, to, they want to cancel the president. The president who cut taxes, the president who reduced regulations, the president prior to COVID had the greatest economy, lowest unemployment in 50 years, the president who got us out of the Iran deal, put the embassy in Jerusalem, brought hostages home from North Korea, put three great justices on the Supreme Court, gave us a new NAFTA agreement, the Abraham Accords, the COVID vaccine, and who built the wall. It's about politics. This is about getting the President of the United States 
They spied on his campaign before he was elected. 19 minutes into his presidency, they started the impeachment push. Three-year Mueller investigation, 19 lawyers, 40 agents, 500 witnesses, 2,500 subpoenas, $40 million to find nothing. Impeachment round one based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge who was biased against the president and who worked for Joe Biden. And now it's impeachment round two. It's always been about getting the president no matter what. It's an obsession, an obsession that has now broadened. It's not just about impeachment anymore, it's about canceling, as I've said, canceling the president and anyone that disagrees with them. The Ayatollah can tweet, the president can't. Democrats can object on January 6, 2017, but Republicans aren't allowed to object on January 6, 2021. Democrats say Antifa is a myth. Republicans condemn all violence all the time. The double standard has to stop. And frankly, the attack on the First Amendment has to stop. And stop and think about it. Do you have a functioning First Amendment when the cancel culture only allows one side to talk? When you can't even have a debate in this country, this great country, the greatest country ever? It needs to stop because if it continues, if it continues, it won't just be Republicans who get canceled. It won't just be the President of the United States. The cancel culture will come for us all. America is a great country, the greatest country ever. It seems to me that we, we need to think about how great the people of this nation really are. Think about what we, we've accomplished in the past and, and begin to come together as leaders who represent so many great folks across our districts. Think about this. Think about this. In 1903, in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, two guys fly this thing they called a plane 100 feet. Barely got off the ground. Barely got off the ground. Amazing thing. 44 years later, Chuck Yeager breaks the sound barrier. In 44 years, we go from two guys flying a contraption they called a plane a few hundred feet to Chuck Yeager breaking the sound barrier. And 22 years after that, 22 years after that, another American steps on the moon. Think about it. In one lifetime, in 66 years, two guys flying 100 feet to putting a man on the moon. That's what this country is capable of. That's what we can do. And we as the Congress who represent the people who did that should start leading, should start understanding what really is going on here. So I hope, I hope we defeat this. I hope we can begin to come together and recognize the greatness of the, of the American people and focus on the things they want us to focus on. Now, one procedural point here as it relates to this debate and, and whether or not they move forward, the, the Senate is actually in a, what they call a pro forma session. So they're out. They're not even going to take this up while Mitch McConnell is still in charge of the Senate. Uh, and I, I think I talked about this yesterday, that there were stories that McConnell was maybe interested in holding a vote on this. And so we shall see. And. I am now thinking that because the, that story was obviously planted, it was leaked into the media that then dutifully reported it based on anonymous sources, right, close to Mitch McConnell or who are uh, who are aware of McConnell's thinking on the matter, uh, that he was looking to do this. And then, of course, McConnell comes out and says, no, 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 we're not coming back into session. So what is all of that meant to signal? And And here's one theory is that McConnell is using the threat of calling the Senate back in to hold a conviction proceeding. He's holding that over Trump's head. So if Trump does anything within the next six days, McConnell will call the Senate back and impeach him and have him tossed out. So this is the leverage being used against Trump not to completely destroy him in the final week. Right. That's the idea. I don't know if it's true, but it's it's a theory that I've heard. Next up, we've got Jerry Nadler, who uh, after Pelosi spoke for the Democrats, he was next up and then he managed the uh, the Democrat side of the debate. We all saw it coming months in advance. President Trump was baselessly and deliberately whipping his supporters into a frenzy weeks before the riot. He used his bully pulpit to spread lies about the election. He told his supporters that the results were fraudulent. He implored them again and again to help him stay in power. 
and he convinced them that accepting the outcome of the election posed an existential threat to their families and their freedoms. We have a duty to observe, Madam Speaker, that racism played a direct role in this incitement. The President's violent rhetoric is always at its most fevered pitch when he is talking about the civil rights and civic aspirations of black Americans and other minority communities. On January 6th, at a rally that was large, angry, and widely reported to be armed, the President's lies and violent rhetoric reached their crescendo. At that rally, the President took the stage. After reiterating the falsehood that we won this election, and we won it by a landslide, he told the crowd that if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. And then he urged the mob to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue to prevent the Congress from confirming the election of an illegitimate president. On that day, President Trump unleashed the force of a mob on this, the people's house. He encouraged that attack with the explicit intent to disrupt the joint session of Congress, an attack that threatened the safety of the vice president, the Speaker of the House, and the president pro tem of the Senate, the next three officers in the line of succession. And look at what that violence has wrought. At least six dead, offices ransacked, the sanctity of our capital breached for the first time in two centuries. Our hallways littered with broken glass, the battle flags of a long dead Confederacy and the debris we have come to associate with the Trump campaign. Mr. Speaker, Madam Speaker, I have faith in the resiliency of our government. We will bring the rioters to justice. Their accomplices in this House will be held responsible. But today, we must focus on the gravest threat first, President Trump, who incited this riot and who remains a grave danger to the nation. As we warned the Senate <coughs> when we tried him for his first impeachment, President Trump has made clear in word and deed that he will persist in such conduct if he, if he is not removed from power. He poses a continuing threat to our nation, to the integrity of our elections, and to our democratic order. He must not remain in power one moment longer. Not one moment longer. The danger is too great. We must impeach. All right, so those were between Nadler and Pelosi. Those were the arguments that Democrats made uh, throughout the day yesterday, just in various forms with different words. But it was, you know, Trump and the white supremacists and, uh, you know, he's a danger and you don't know what he's going to do. So we got to impeach him right now because he incited the insurrection. Um, and Republicans are pointing out that you don't actually have any evidence that he incited the insurrection. And as I went over the other day, the timeline doesn't actually line up unless you want to say that his constant uh, you know, hammering away on the topic of election fraud and it was rigged and it was stolen and all of that, that that inspired the insurrectionist activity. Uh, and, and some Democrats were making that argument. But if that is to be true, then a lot of Democrats are going to have to be impeached as well if we are to apply a consistent standard, which, of course, we are not because Democrat. Um, a consistent standard would dictate that anybody who is calling into question the integrity of the election system for years and years and years, uh, or even inspiring mass investigations into election integrity, that they would they would have to be sidelined and prohibited from ever serving in office. By the way, that's not a standard I want. That is not a standard I want. Because if there is actual election uh, problems, uh, if there are problems, then I want to see those things investigated. If people are calling out election irregularities, I want to hear what they have to say. By the way, this is a consistent position that I have held back from when Trump was uh, elected and the Democrats were saying the same thing. And I said, where's your evidence? Put up or shut up. And that's what Jim Jordan was arguing. And I agree with Jordan on this. I do. I agree with this position that you guys don't get to have it both ways. And unfortunately, thanks to the actions of the uh, of the riotous idiot mob, uh, Democrats now get to walk away from all of their inconsistencies and they get to 
be the party now of law and order, and they get to be the party that is defending the the sacred temple of democracy, which, by the way, the only people that should be speaking about a building being a sacred temple to democracy would be people who believe in relig- uh, uh, government as a religion. Okay, I do not. I-, I think it's an important building. Symbols have meaning, absolutely. However, it's not sacred ground, okay, because government is not a religion. Now, if you're looking for your own piece of sacred ground, then Rowena Patton can help you out. Buying or selling Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team, they're the only ones to call uh, for your real estate needs, okay? She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. She has homes in all price points. She has buyers already lined up. So if you are looking for your next uh, home, you're looking for a second home, a mountain retreat of some kind, call Rowena Patton at 333-4483. That's 828-333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. That's the website, mountainhomehunt.com. And uh, remember to ask her about the Homes for Heroes program. This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the commissions. Uh, That goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, retirees. And she's given back about $800,000 to local folks in those professions. You could be the next one. Give her a call, 828-333-4483, and start packing. Next up, the final audio clip here is from Kevin McCarthy. Uh, He's the Republican from California, and he kind of fills out, rounds out the rest of the argument that all the Republicans were making. You know, I didn't like the president's speech on January 6th either. I thought he was wrong to assert that the vice president in Congress can pick and choose which electoral votes to count. He was wrong to set such a confrontational tone in a politically tense situation. But what did he actually say? His exact words were, quote, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, unquote. That's impeachable? That's called freedom of speech. Now, he also threatened to oppose candidates in future elections. And by the way, that was directed at Republicans like me who'd resolved to uphold the constitutional process and protect the Electoral College. Well, so what? That's called politics. If we impeached every politician who gave a fiery speech to a crowd of partisans, this Capitol would be deserted. That's what the president did. That is all he did. He specifically told the crowd to protest peacefully and patriotically, and the vast majority of them did. But every movement has a lunatic fringe. Suppressing free speech is not the answer. Holding rioters accountable for their actions is the answer, and we are. And if we'd prosecuted BLM and Antifa rioters across the country with the same determination these last six months, this incident may not have happened at all. Now, short of declaring war, the power of impeachment is the most solemn and consequential act that Congress can take. To use it in this manner, in the heat of the moment, with no hearings, no due process, many members phoning in their votes after a hastily called debate exactly one week before a new president is to take office, trivializes this power to the point of caricature. The Democrats have won everything in sight, the House, the Senate, and the presidency. In a republic, that calls for magnanimity by the victors. Only in a banana republic does it call for vengeance. Benjamin Franklin warned us that passion governs and she never governs wisely. In our passions this week, we've set some dangerous new precedents that will haunt us for years to come. Yesterday, we redefined intemperate speech as a physical incapacity requiring removal from office. Today, we define it as a high crime and misdemeanor. Well, the moment any member of this body gives an impassioned speech and the lunatic fringe of their movement takes license from it, be prepared to answer to this new precedent that we established today. 
Now, I could cite plenty of provocative speeches made by Democrats that directly preceded violence this summer, but we've already had enough of that. You know, after 600,000 Americans had perished in the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln appealed to the better angels of our nature. He said, with malice toward none, with charity for all, let us bind up the nation's wounds. Those words were so important to the unity of our nation, they're inscribed in marble at the Lincoln Memorial. I cannot think of a more petty, vindictive, and gratuitous act than to impeach an already defeated president a week before he is to leave office. President-elect Biden's promise to heal the nation becomes a hollow mockery in the harsh reality of this unconstitutional uh, act. God help our country. Expired. All right, so that's where we stand right now. House has voted to impeach again. Senate not in session. Maybe coming back, maybe not. Uh, and there is disagreement in the legal community about whether or not uh, a, a, a president can be impeached once they're out of office. I don't think it could happen, but um, that's what that's what they're going to be left with if Mitch McConnell doesn't call the Senate back into session. Arthur Bloom, writing at TheAmericanConservative.com, said Republicans should not join this impeachment effort. He had a lengthy piece. I've got it linked up at the Patreon page, as always, under the prep sheet. Democrats consider domestic terrorism a viable political strategy, he asserts. We know because they have pardoned lots of domestic terrorists and incorporated them into their coalition. For example, a person I mentioned the other day, Susan Rosenberg, the domestic terrorist whose sentence was commuted by President Clinton. She now works for the payment processing company of Black Lives Matter. She's on their board of directors. When a party which considers domestic terrorism a viable political strategy and has not even made clear that domestic terrorists are unwelcome in their coalition, when that party calls for new laws against domestic terrorism, we cannot assume they are sincere and we must assume they will use them to go after their opponents, right? They will use these new laws to go after their opponents because they don't have a principle against domestic terrorism as a viable political strategy, as is evidence from their behavior. Remember, re- uh, Democrats refused to agree to a resolution condemning the kind of violence that we have seen. As the story of the Trump era ends, he says, the thing I want my children to know is that it felt like he wasn't supposed to be there. His election did offer the promise of policies that I liked, but the main reason I greeted the shock of his election with something other than the shattering despair typical to white people of my age, background and education is it presented the hopeful possibility that politics wasn't all decided by algorithms and in smoky rooms. The fix wasn't always in. Everyone knew that Trump's election wasn't supposed to happen. He says, I want my kids to know this because I think they're going to try to erase it. They already are. The efforts to ritcon the unexpectedness of 2016 began very quickly, framing Trump as an outgrowth of a 400-year history of American race relations, which, whatever the merits of that argument, tended to obscure more immediate causes, right? The deployment of accusations of racism to cover genuine corruption began in a big way under President Obama, a mentee of another domestic terrorist, Bill Ayers, Bernadine Dorn, right? The genuine scandals of his Justice Department were timidly covered, if not dismissed out of hand by the media, a pattern that has now culminated during Russiagate in its merging with the intel community. History will vindicate Glenn Greenwald and very few others for telling the truth about all of this. Here's the truth about something else. Uh, You don't need to buy all of the tools that you need for just one job. You can rent one of those tools and then you return it. And then you don't need to keep this tool in the garage, taking up space, collecting dust. You're you're constantly banging into it while you're trying to get to other stuff that you use way more often. So just go to General Equipment Rental, get yourself the piece of equipment or the tool that you need for that particular job, and then bring it back to them. Now, if you do need a uh, a tool or a piece of equipment, specifically uh, yard equipment, uh, then go to General Equipment Rental because they are your source 
for Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment for sales and for service. So you have any problem with a Honda uh, piece of equipment or Husqvarna, you could bring it to them. Okay, they do service uh, equipment. Uh, but if you're trying to get a project done, whether it's for your house or for a particular job that you are working on, then go to General Equipment Rentals. Same advice. They're in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. Go support some really good people that have a great business. Okay, General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. GeneralRents.com and think outside your toolbox. So. Arthur Bloom at TheAmericanConservative.com, he cites this uh, essay that was in The Atlantic at the very beginning of Donald Trump's presidency. It was called The Cruelty is the Point, and it argued uh, that um, you might sympathize with a particular position or promise that Donald Trump has made, like, for example, ending wars, okay? But it would be wrong to compromise with cruelty. So, We'll have to end all the wars at some other time because you can't agree with that racist. Because if you agree with him, if you compromise with him, then that makes you a racist as well. This was an incredibly effective argument that the left adopted. It's the norm now. You cannot go onto social media and not run into this line of thinking, okay? That simply voting for Trump as the lesser of evils made uh, made you a racist. See, he is proof of the white supremacy. And if you deny it, well, that's your white fragility and your racism speaking. The beauty of this line is that it became a way to discipline anybody who might get it in their head to start listening to these Trumpers. Doing so was racist or a sign of internalized racism. And to make political compromises with cruel racists is surely a betrayal of some kind. But there was some sleight of hand about who exactly it was betraying. They said it was a betrayal of black Americans to take Trump supporters seriously. But what they meant was it was a betrayal of them, the elites, the leaders of the national you know, institutions and the infrastructure. Trying to put a, a cordon around a political faction that's large enough to capture the White House was bound to have enormous damaging consequences. And so it has. The remarkable closing of the ranks in the early Trump years was not uh, was not how a healthy political system accommodates demands for change. He says, we saw some of the fruits of that this week. And I don't put it that way because I approve of what the rioters did, but because the same thing will happen again if nothing changes and it will surely be worse. Yes, exactly. This is so many people that uh, that see my posts or, or listen to the show and they're of the left, uh, they're like, oh, you're just making excuses about whataboutism and all this. No, I'm trying to warn that this is not going to get better unless everybody recognizes what's occurring. And that means recognizing what occurred over the last year, two years, three years. You guys have been playing with fire. You've been inciting this stuff too. But they don't see it like that. And I understand that. But they don't see it like that. Um, the political dynamics of the left dictate that they're probably not going to take stock of this moment, and they're not going to think about how we got here. He, Arthur Bloom says that his prediction is that we can expect to hear a lot about reconstruction in the coming years. There's already, in fact, a slate podcast about it, he says. But they're gonna, uh, what they're going to say is the political purging and the upscaling of domestic surveillance and law enforcement, that's going to be necessary to deliver on the promise of a multiracial democracy. So much the better if they can make this argument with a woman of color prosecutor as the head of state. They will try to restore faith in the system through bare assertion and by silencing their uh, their opponents. This character, by the way, that he's describing uh, is yes, Kamala Harris. But the the just in a general sense, right? That 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 definitional character, that avatar, is what was referred to as a quote man of action in a book by Eric. Hoffer called The True Believer, Thoughts on the Nature of Mass Movements. Guy was born in 1898, died in 1983. Uh, he was um, a moral and social philosopher. He worked for more than 20 years as a longshoreman in San Francisco, and he wrote 10 books. He had like no formal education. And this book, The True Believer, became sort of the uh, the seminal work and the authority on mass movements, the psychology of um, of all mass movements. Not to say that they aren't different in, you know, important ways, but they all share certain characteristics. And 
they start off with uh, their are three different uh, characters, if you will. You've got the uh, the first stage is the quote man of words. Second stage is or separate, a second kind of person, but they do come in stages. Is the fanatics or fans of the revolution, and then the third is uh, men of action, the people who hold down the fort. And what they're usually defined by is their adherence to the core philosophy that was originally laid out by the man of words, but they don't have that kind of creativity, and so they use force to get compliance. Hoffer says that mass movements begin when discontented, frustrated, powerless people lose faith in existing institutions and demand change. Feeling hopeless, such people participate in, in movements that allow them to become part of a larger collective. They become true believers in a mass movement that, quote, appeals not to those intent on bolstering and advancing a cherished self, but to those who crave to be rid of an unwanted self because it can satisfy the passion for self-renunciation. So you put this a different way. He says, quote, faith in a holy cause is to a considerable extent a substitute for the loss of faith in ourselves. Leaders inspire these movements, but the seeds of mass movements must already exist for the leader to be successful. And while mass movements typically blend nationalist, political, religious ideas, they all compete for the same thing. Angry, marginalized people. David Harsanyi at uh, the National Review, he made a great point about this uh, in a tweet uh, yesterday or day before. He said, uh, the better things get for the vast majority of people, the angrier, more disgruntled and radicalized they become on both sides. This guy, Eric Hoffer, in this book, he, he points out that, you know, the truly destitute very rarely become parts of a mass movement. Usually usually doesn't happen. Why? Because they are so busy just, you know, struggling to survive. They don't have time <laughs> to uh, to go through a, uh, and participate in a mass movement. He says uh, he actually calls them the new poor, those who previously had wealth or status, but who believe they now have lost it. They're the potential converts. Such people are resentful and they blame others for their problems. Mass movements also attract the partially assimilated, those who feel alienated from mainstream culture. Others include misfits, outcasts, adolescents and sinners, as well as the ambitious, the selfish, the impotent and the bored. What all converts all share is the feeling that their lives are meaningless and worthless. A rising mass movement attracts and holds a following not by its doctrine and promises, but by the refuge that it offers from anxieties, the barrenness and meaninglessness of an individual existence. It cures the poignantly frustrated, uh, not by conferring on them an absolute truth or, or you know, fixing some problems or abuses which made their lives miserable, but it frees them from their ineffectual selves. And it does this by enfolding and absorbing them into a closely knit body, a larger movement. <clears throat> Hoffer also emphasizes that creative people, those who experience creative flow, they're not usually attracted to mass movements. Creativity actually provides an inner joy, which both acts as an antidote to the frustrations with external hardships. Creativity also relieves boredom, which is a major cause of mass movements. There is perhaps no more reliable indicator of a society's ripeness for a mass movement than the prevalence of unrelieved boredom. And to that point, I would simply say COVID-19. I said it from the beginning when all of this was happening. I don't think we would be seeing these kinds of protests and damage and violence were it not for all the lockdowns. But here we are. Here we are at the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Remember, subscribe to the podcast and uh, give it a positive review. We'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.